Thank you, Pastor Norbert. Um, I'm excited to be here. What, um, what an exciting place to be in, you know, in a movie theater, right? Um, so you guys are um, celebrating 28 years. Is it 28 years of uh, ministry as a church? Um, I, I was with you about five years ago at your anniversary, and, um, you know, you guys have come a long way from the other building to here. Uh, but God has been moving and working through all of us. And um, I just want to give a uh, special thanks to uh, Pastor Norbert. Um, you know, I've been uh, working with him, and I'm, I'm grateful that he and his wife and family have accepted the call here to be able to move this church to the next season of life. And uh, I'm very grateful also for their commitment, their passion to this church and this community. I'm also grateful to... Uh, Pastor Joseph and, and his wife and the family that they have given their lives to. And I know that uh, together as a church, you guys have worked together for God's glory. Amen. And so I, I just want to commend you uh, before I get going. Let, can we just say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, because as we sing these songs that we sing before the Lord, um, it, it helps us to understand why we're here, because some days, you know, we do get caught up into the third, into the ninth heaven to to really see God glorified, you know, to see why we are here. And uh, I really want to um, encourage you to really open up your minds to this new season that you're in, because it's a great opportunity. Uh, even though we've been going through the challenge of COVID, you know. It is a great opportunity. Churches are growing through this time because people are looking for the Lord. And the, the people of God who are moving forward, God is blessing right now to be able to um, help them to go into this new season. Because this is the new normal. Maybe for the next eight years is going to be like this. Okay? Imagine that. I can't even imagine. I thought when this pandemic happened in six months, Maybe a year we'll be back to normal, but it looks like it's just going to be an ongoing thing that we have to battle through and work through, but, but it has made us stronger, amen? So the saying is faith over fear. Do you guys agree with that? Faith over fear, because at the end of the day, we have to give our lives to the Lord into his hands, and whatever he has for us to do, no matter what, we need to do that because it's for his glory and for his honor. And so I want to give a, a special um, thank you to this church, Point of Grace 2022, you know, to to be able to to encourage you to continue to move forward. So I want to give you a thank a thank you for your commitment, a thank you for your passion, a thank you for the sacrifices that have made to keep this church moving forward. Amen. Because God has given this church a great opportunity to be a lighthouse to the world. And, um, you know, and I know it is our desire to, to really help our family members, right, to, to help keep them safe. I know I pray safe prayers for my family that, that God would carry us through. But, but, but we have to pray courageous prayers more than just safety, more than just comfort. More that we would survive, you know, this pandemic, that we would be courageous for our God and our Savior. Amen. 
Because that is the prayer that God, want us, that God wants us to be praying, that, that we would be stronger through it. And I know that whatever we go through, God will help us through that. And so it's always been a challenge being a Christian, especially a Christian leader. It's always been that way. You see that in the Bible. The, the apostles, the, the, the prophets, the, the early disciples, they all sacrificed so that God's name would be glorified and the special message of the gospel would be spread so the whole world would know and believe in the one true God. And so these obstacles are normal. But this pandemic has really created havoc. Okay, they, you know, there was a Barna group survey released uh, November 15th, um, about two months ago. And it said that 38% of pastors are really considering quitting right now. They're, they're considering quitting because it's been hard politically. It's been hard because of the pandemic. And then the other thing is that they feel like th that they're not capable of, of helping the church go through this, this next phase. And so 38% of them are thinking about quitting. It's up from one year ago because January of last year, the survey was 29% were thinking about it. Now, this last two months, it's up to 38% are thinking about quitting. And so I want to encourage you to pray for the pastors and leaders in our movement through throughout the whole world with the big C, the big church, and especially for your pastor now, that that they would be encouraged to fight along in this battle because if we have healthy pastors, we could have healthy churches. If our pastors are not healthy, we're not going to have healthy churches. And so I encourage you to pray for your pastor. Encourage him to keep fighting along, to, to have faith over fear, Pastor Norbert, right? Amen? So I'm, I'm very grateful for your pastor. I'm very grateful for your leaders. I'm very grateful for you who have continued on to fight the battle that must be fought in this world. And so, you know, I, I really love your name, you know, Point of Grace. Okay, Point of Grace is a special name talking about why we're all here, right? You know, I, I, I have planted three churches, Pastor Norbert. The first one was um, Horizon Christian Church. The second one was Discovery Christian Church. The, the, the third one was Igna uh, Impact Community Church. And then the fourth one was a restart. It was the Filipino Church in California that was under Converge. And I pastored that church. And we it was Philam Evangelical Church of Sacramento. Okay, very long name. We, we changed the name of DBA to Ignite Community Church. And uh, we just had a conference in Orlando. And some of the pastors were here. And, and it was just exciting for me to see the leaders continue to grow. And they're planting churches. And, and, and to see their passion for the Lord. To know that, that they have to spread the message. And it's, it's a, a great encouragement. But your name is a special name. Point of Grace. And really that's kind of the message of the, the, the point of this message, the point of grace, because God is the one who creates the mission. Would you say out loud with me, Missio Dei? So Missio Dei means in Latin, 
the, the mission of God, right? You guys know that. I think I've shared that with you here uh, a couple of years ago. It's the, the mission of God. The mission of God is so important that today I want to, to give you a message starting with the end in mind. Starting with the end of mind. And I, I want you guys to understand that, um, that God is doing a work. You know, since I've been here in the last five years, we've, we've uh, affiliated over 200 churches, you know, in our district. Um, our district is growing. Uh, we have now 200 churches in Haiti. We just affiliated 15 more, so it's 202 churches in Haiti with the largest 10,000 members. And they, there's probably three or four mega churches in Haiti right now. We just affiliated our first church in Mexico, and we had five pastors from Mexico come to our conference in Orlando, and they're signing up to join with additional pastors wanting to join. Uh, I know that our our sister, your sister church, Life Connection Church in Orlando, Filipino church, wants to plant, ch you know, churches in Haiti, in uh, in Turks and Caicos, because there's Filipinos and other people there that they want to support to be able to share the gospel. I want you to know that you're part of a movement greater than this one church, because together we are better together, and we can accomplish more. And I just want you to know that that. Even though we feel like we're losing sometimes here in America because the church is in decline in America, I want you to know that God's church will win because we know the end. He is victorious, and the church will win. Uh, the God's Holy Spirit has been moving, though, from the north to the south, from the west to the east. God's Spirit is moving because God is trying to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth so that all people can have the opportunity to know Christ. Because when the fullness of time comes, he's going to harvest his family. He's going to take his family home. And, and that's what the whole Bible is all about. If you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a way for God to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. And it's a story of how the world began, the fall of man, how he... He, he repented of creating mankind, right? And he wanted to hit the restart button and, and restart with the flood, right? And start the, the whole world again. And he did that. And he said, go multiply, fill the earth, because one day he's going to harvest his people because he has called for a people of his own. And the Old Testament points to the Messiah. Everything points to the Messiah. I, in fact, God you know, use the Old Testament to teach us, and it's called the schoolmaster. The, you know, my, my professors and, and teachers used to tell me the Old Testament was the schoolmaster to prepare God's people for the future so that we could understand when he comes, he's going to fulfill all the prophecies to show he is the one. But towards the end of the Old Testament, he's writing books because he's upset. He's frustrated with mankind, even his own chosen people are no longer following what he has asked us to do. I mean, Malachi, a great book. We use that a lot for, for tithing and giving and that he's going to open the floodgates of heaven if we tithe. But, but that book's talking about that, that, you know, if you say you love me, how come you don't show me? You give me the leftovers. You give me the, the, the secondhand sacrifices instead of giving me the best. You know, you show me contempt instead of showing me true love, you know, and, and he drops the mic 
at the end of Malachi. And for 400 years, God does not speak until the Messiah comes, until John the Baptist prepares the way for the Messiah. And, and he says, here comes the Lamb of God, right? He prepares. And, and we read through the, the New Testament showing the life of Christ. And then we get into the epistles, the letters, to correct the church again because we still don't fully understand everything that we need to, to know because we can't do it by ourselves. And that's why we need a Messiah. And the book of Revelation talks about Jesus coming again, coming for his church, no longer coming just as a savior, but as the reigning king who will take his people. And it also shows us the big picture of God and what he's doing with the church. And so today I want to start with the end in mind. Let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 5, uh, starting at um, chapter 5, starting at verse 1. We'll read 1 to 10. And I, I just want you to know that, that God is working in this manner to help us. And I want to give you this, this idea of the big picture because sometimes we forget or sometimes we don't know. We could live it. We can be in the church most of our lives and not really understand what the Bible is talking about because God is the master of the mission. And he is the one that's creating uh, everything to happen the way it needs to happen. And uh, John Piper says this. There, there's, there's three kinds of people in the church. Okay, so you can, you can uh, if, you're, if you get mad at this message, get mad at John Piper, okay? But if you like the message, you know, I brought John Piper's words, okay? But <laughs> anyway, John Piper says there's three groups. The first group is those who go on a mission that God has sent us on. The first group is those who go on the mission. The second group are those who can't go, uh, but they want to support, and so they send support for those who go. Okay, that's the second group. And the third group is a group that you don't want to be a part of, and there's no other groups after this, are the disobedient, because they didn't go or support those who went, and they're disobedient. And so that's the truth. I believe that, that if we understand the Bible, we need to either go or we support those who go or we're disobedient, okay? And, and I just want you to understand. And uh, I just want you to know in, in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, he's talking about the big picture. Would you stand as we read um, Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 10? And I'm going to ask us to read this together. I'm going to read from the ESV. And if we can put the words up there, would you read with me? Revelation uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. In verse 1 it says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written with within it and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and his seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, 
which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he w went to look he, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to God, to our God, and they shall reign on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this reading. Allow us to take this in and to understand the meaning of these words so that we could understand the big picture that you have created and that we would be able to participate in your work in the gospel. Thank you, Lord, and bless this church now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So imagine this. You know, we see in verse 1, God sits on the throne, and we have to understand he is in charge. He is in charge. Okay, God is so big. Do you guys know how big God is? Let, let me try to describe to you the, the omnipotence of God. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, and he's omniscient, right? You know, he, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's everywhere at the same time. So with one foot, he stands in the beginning of our time. With the other foot, he stands at the end of time. He stretches out his hands, and he fills all the beginning and to the end. He knows everything. And he can make anything happen that he wants. But, he, but we hide from him, don't we? We, we? we pretend that he doesn't see what we're doing. And, and we don't want him to see what we're doing, but he does. He knows all things. God is so big, you, you can't even control him. And that's why people don't like our big God, because God is so big that he cannot be controlled. We cannot manipulate him. We cannot change him. He is the same forever and ever. Amen. He, he is so big. And so he sits on the throne. That's what we see here in, in verse 1 in Revelation. In his right hand is the scroll his proclamation of what will come to pass. Seven seals, think of it as seven letters, you know, that is sealed, that is addressed to someone who is authorized to open it. You know, the in the old times, you know, when you have a scroll, you would put, you would put, um, what, what do you call it? Um, uh, candle, wax. You put the wax and then you put the stamp and the seal. No one can open it unless you are authorized to, right? And that's what he's picturing. No one can open the seal. And there's seven letters in this, this um, scroll. And uh, it's been placed into his right hand, strong hand. Right hand is considered like the strong hand. And then picture this in verse 2. Uh, a strong angel with a loud voice shouts out, who is worthy to take the scroll and to open the seven seals? And and every time in the scripture, when you see an angel come, what, what do they always say to the people that they are presenting themselves to? They always say, fear not. Because when you see an angel, a messenger from God, 
man, you are afraid. You should be afraid, right? Because the God, the creator of this universe, is coming down to speak to you. And it shows that this strong angel is asking who is worthy. Who is worthy to take the scroll from God's right hand? And, you know, it's, it says that no one is worthy in heaven or on earth or under the earth. No one is worthy. And it goes on to say in verse 4 that the apostle John weeps because no one's worthy. Did you ever ask the question, why did he weep? I mean, he wept. I don't think it was like a, you know, the, the it, if you're old enough, you remember the this illustration of uh, the Indian, American I Indian with a tear in his eye. You guys are too young to remember that. But, but he, he had a tear. He was crying for America. But the Apostle Pond wept. It says he wept. He, I mean, I think he crawled up into a ball and weeping and crying. I mean, it was an ugly cry. Okay, you, you guys know what an ugly cry looks like? I mean, it's an ugly cry. Why did he cry so bitterly? He cried because if no one can open the scroll, the world will remain the way it is. Do you want the world to remain the way it is? With, with broken dreams and broken promises and broken lives full of tears, that with broken families and, and people are in pain. I mean, do you want to stay in a world like this? The Apostle pa Paul did not want that. He wept because he knows the hurt. I mean, you all know people who have broken lives and broken dreams and broken promises. And we saw that happen in the beginning of Genesis, right, in the, the fall of man, that he wept because we have been, we're living now in a fallen world. And so he weeps. But he's, you know, the, an elder says, stop weeping. There is someone who can open the scroll. There is hope. And I want you guys to see this big picture. This is what the message of the gospel is, that there is hope. There is hope. And so we don't have to live in this broken world anymore. And it says in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Who came out of the line of Judah? Jesse and David. Who came out of that line? You guys know? The, the right answer in the church is always Jesus, right? Jesus comes from that tribe. Jesus is the answer. And he is the lion. He is the prophesied Messiah who would come out of the promised people who would come and save the world. And that's the message of the gospel. You guys know that 80% of the people in the church in America, or maybe around the world, 80% will never share the gospel, not even one time in their life. 80%. I don't want you to be part of that 80%. I want you to know what the gospel is. And I want you to share the gospel, at least to your family and to friends and people that you care about. Share it at least once. Because if you talk to them about it, you know, they may actually accept because they're looking for answers. Because this world has no answers for what we're looking for. 
So Jesus is the lion. He is powerful and strong and he is worthy. He can take the scroll and open the seals. But how has he been able to do that? Verse 6 and 7 gives us the answer. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Jesus was slain for our sins. You know, when I first read Revelation, I was terrified. I mean, picturing this, this, this lamb with seven eyes and seven horns, I mean, it was like a, a science fiction movie. It was a little scary for me as a kid. But, but if we understand the metaphors that are being used here, if you've read the Old Testament and understood the stories and you've read the history of Jesus, we understand that it's representing Jesus as the one who was sacrificed for sins. Do you guys know all of the temple worship, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus? It all pointed to him because there had to be a real blood sacrifice. So the blood of Jesus is so powerful that it can forgive us of all our sins. Because someone had to pay for our sins. And that's what God required. And no one can pay it. Because no one can live a perfect life. And Jesus did live that perfect life. Because even if we could live a perfect life, we would make it. But how could we save others? You know. But, but Jesus, who lived the perfect life, sacrificed himself for the whole world. For sins. Isaiah 53, verse 7 says this. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. This was the prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was, a he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. See, Jesus was the lamb. And, I, I, and I, if you don't get this, if you don't understand this whole uh, sacrifice thing of the Old Testament, you won't understand why Jesus is so important in the gospel story because someone had to pay the price. Y do you guys know about the temple, the temple worship? The tabernacle was the tent that moved around wherever the, the, the people of God were. And then the temple was created to be a magnificent permanent place in the promised land. But in the tabernacle and the temple, they were shaped the same. There were the outside courts, the inner courts, the holies of holies. The outside court represent the Gentiles, the rest of the world. Because when Adam and Eve was cast out of the garden, they headed eastward, right? And in the temple, from the courtyard, from the furthest courtyard out, it was going westward, coming back into the holies of holies. Coming from the outer court into the inner court into the holy of holies. Because God was trying to teach us that he was going to create a way for us to come back into relationship with him. That's why the temple was so, such an important thing. And, and Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he, God the Father turned his back on Jesus because Jesus took upon the sins of the whole earth and was crucified and died. But he didn't just die. He also raised again, right? But when he died in the holies of holy, in the temple of at Jesus' time, it says the curtain was stripped from the bottom up. It was a very thick curtain, and it opened up 
and only the priest usually would be able to go in there. They would s the tradition said that the, pr the priest would go in there once a year. They would even tie a rope on his leg because if he went in there and had sin, he would die. And they, no one would want to go in there, so they had to pull him out through the rope if he did die, right? But the holies of holy was opened up for us to be in relationship with him. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen if you understand that? That, that because of what Jesus did, we have now the relationship with our Father in heaven. We can now go into the holies of holies. And that's what it's picturing here in Revelation. Because he paid the price, we can come back into relationship with the Father. It was no accident. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had a plan from the very beginning when they created this world. It said in Genesis 1, it said, let us cre create man in our, own, in our own image. And we were created that way. And so I believe that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit knew that we would sin, that mankind would sin. And there had to be a way back. And I think Jesus volunteered himself. This is just my view. That Jesus said, I'll, I'll die for our people. I will go and pay the price for them. Because no one could pay that price and live that perfect life. And so he said he would do that. And so Jesus was the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And it says in, I'm going to go into this and, and and I know I'm, gonna, I'm already getting a little long, okay, so I'm going to try to end as quickly as I can, okay? But it says in John 3, 16 to 18, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So Jesus took the scroll. He took possession of the chosen people. He got the deed to redeem the world to get his bride. Okay, do you guys know the story of the kinsman redeemer? Okay, if not, I want to encourage you to read the Bible. I'm not going to go into it today, but... He is the kinsman redeemer. You know, Boaz, you know, was the one who brought, you know, Ruth back into, into uh, made her his wife so that he could buy the land for her. And it's a picture of what God, Jesus does. He takes the scroll. He takes possession of the deed for this whole world. That's what he does. And he, Jesus, ta you know, talks about the, the seven horns and the seven eyes. The seven eyes really represent that he sees everything that's going on as his spirit goes into the world. And the seven horns, it's not the horns that we think, but it's the horns that he blows for the armies of the Armageddon to come for forth. And and so what what the the revelation is talking about is the apocalyptic end of this world and when the, the armies come for the end times. Now his people are redeemed, and judgment now begins. In verse 8, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who takes the scroll. And I want to go into verse 10. Uh, let's, go, let's go to verse 9. It says, they, 
break out in worship. They, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals for you were slain. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. It does not get, if this does not get you excited, nothing will, right? Because he's made you kings and priests. You are now part of God's family. I mean, that's special. And I want you guys to get excited about that because God is using you now to be the people who will redeem the world. You are the lighthouse. During this pandemic, the church needs to stand and shine, not get into the politics, not get into the fear, but to stand up for Jesus, to tell people that there is a way out. And the church can grow. You know, I, I, I look now, I mean, you guys are halfway up. Man, let's get this thing filled. Let's get the bigger room, okay? There's, I know there's bigger rooms than this, right? Let's fill it. Let's go to two services, three services. This church can do that, okay? Because you got to get excited about the gospel. See, my question to you is, do you really love Jesus? Do you really love him? Or are you just coming out of the formality of church because of tradition? Because you have to not because you want to. If you're going to accomplish the mission, you get really got to get this. You got to understand the mission and you got to want to. And you're going to sacrifice your life. You're going to sacrifice your possessions. You're going to sacrifice your opportunities and give it all to Jesus. And if you do, God will give you more. You guys know that? Because in the story of the, of the talents, the wicked, lazy servant who hid his talent and didn't use it, he said to the servants, the master said to the servants, take the talents from the wicked, lazy servant and give it to the one who's faithful and has produced more. See, the reality, God will give you more if you are faithful in the work that God wants you to do because this is his mission. This is his church. Us pastors, we're just passing through. Us church members, we're just passing through, but we have to be found worthy. We have to be found uh, trustworthy of this message to pass it on. It's not for us to keep, but for us to give away. And I want to encourage you that God will do a great work in this church. Amen? Some of you are going to be called into ministry. Some of you are going to be tapped. Would you take on some different roles in the church? Some of you are going to say inside no, but because of your, your love for God, you're going to say yes with your mouth, right? Because I was the guy that sat in the back that didn't want to be a preacher. I was the guy in the back that thought God could not use me because I was so broken. I was so damaged that, that I thought that God couldn't use me. Because I thought in the church you had to be perfect. You had to do all the right things and you had to be good. But I was all, I was not any of those things. I was, a, I was the bad kid that the pastor's wife had to keep an eye on, okay, during service. I, I was the kid that, that, you know, was listening. But I tried really hard, but I couldn't do it because the temptation of the world was so strong. And my friends from school were pulling me away from the church. 
And I had this guilt in my heart that, that, Lord, I want to, but I can't. I'm just no good. But when you understand this message that I just gave you in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, it's not because of your goodness. It's not because of your faithfulness. It's because of God's faithfulness. Amen. He did it. He paid it all because you couldn't do it. See, if you accept his gift, he will forgive you of everything that you've ever done in the past, in the present, in the future. He forgives all of that, and he says you can be renewed. Amen? Is, it, is, is that great news? It's, it's like go, going and having the virus and recovering from it and be even better, right? See, God wants you to be better than you are. But he's going to allow you to come into his kingdom because of your faith in Jesus, not because you're good. But because you've accepted him, he's going to use you and change you. And through your weakness, he will show his power and strength. Amen. God wants to use you in great ways. If you think that you cannot be used, you are mistaken. I mean, in my church in California, we, we had seniors. And, you know, we, what we found out was that uh, we had the, the, the grandpas and the grandmas in, in the houses taking care of the grandchildren. They were locked in. And they would come to church, but they really couldn't participate because they're so busy and they didn't have the opportunity to drive. Guess what? We gave them the opportunity to have their own service. We gave them drivers, and we picked them up during the week, and they had their services. And we even did a thing on Saturday where they had their own service, and they started sharing the gospel to their friends who were also kind of locked in during the week. And they gave them the opportunities to have joy, to understand that, that Jesus saved them from their sins. And they started baptizing their friends. See, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you are right now. God can use you to reach the people in your life. Amen? So do you want to know the secret of how to grow this church? You guys want to know? You have to really get excited. And you need to start bringing your friends here and your family members here. And you got to show them that it really means something, that you're not just going through the ritual of doing church. Because in, in um, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, you know, in Micah it was talking about like sharing that the, the church was not, his people were not doing everything. And he said how much sacrifice, it's going to take a lot of sacrifice, right? But this is what God is asking of us. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what it says in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. If the church would do this, this church would grow. That we would do justice because there's injustice in this world. If the church would, would preach the truth and share the truth and help people out of their struggles, the church would grow. It says, Show mercy or love mercy. You know, God is a God of mercy. He's not a God of judgment. But there is judgment for those who will not repent of their sins. 
who will not turn from their ways, who will not follow and accept the gift of Jesus. It's not going to be because of their goodness or, or their badness. It's going to be based upon their faith in Jesus Christ. If you try to do those two things, to do justice and to love mercy, you're going to know that you can't do it. It's too hard. It's going to humble you. And that's going to allow you to be humble before your God and walk with him because you need his help for you to help others. Amen. And so for us as a church, we've got to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God. And if we live this way and we share the message with other people, this church will grow. It's, it's inevitable. And then we have to train some of you to be leaders, even though some of you don't want to be leaders. The usually the ones that don't want to be leaders are usually the best leaders because they, they don't want to take on the responsibility or be prideful because they feel like they're, they have nothing. But sometimes those are the right people because they will be humble and know that they're not good and know that only Jesus is good. And so we got to work with you, okay? If you're too proud because of what your own abilities are, maybe you're the wrong leader, okay? Because you're going to show people that it's because of your strength, not the power of God, right? And so as a church, we need to walk this way. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God, amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for this church, Lord. If there's anyone here who has not accepted you, Lord, I pray in their heart right now that they would reach out to you and say, Father, I'm guilty, but I need mercy, and I want your mercy through Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who's reaching out to you now, Lord, that you would touch their hearts. Allow them, Lord, to get the gift of the Holy Spirit and to be transformed by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and to walk with us as a church. Lord, I pray the blessing over this church, Lord, that you would allow this church, Lord, to rise up, that you would allow the dry bones to come to life and have flesh again and to live the life that you have called us, Lord, because you have called us to victory, a victorious life, a life, Lord, that is not boring and strange or weird, but, Lord, that we are filled with you and that we love you, Lord. I pray that those who really do not love the Lord and put you first, Lord, would take the back seat. And, Lord, allow those who are the true believers, Lord, who are willing to give it all to be the leaders now, Lord, so that we could see your kingdom come here on earth, Lord. And I pray for growth. I, gr I pray for resources. I pray for leadership, Lord that we would expand this church, Lord, and multiply it through the earth, Lord, to see your glory fill the land. Lord, we do all of this for your glory and for your honor. It's not for us, Lord, but it's for you because you are the one who has given it all so that we could be part of your family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you now, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Bless this anniversary. Bless these years that we have been together, Lord. And allow us, Lord, to really dream about the future, Lord, the dream that you dream, the vision that you have for this church, Lord, to reach the world. Lord, thank you again for this time. Bless Pastor Norbert. Bless the leaders. 
Bless those who are serving now and giving and supporting. Allow them, Lord, to know that they are not alone and that you're with them and you're going to provide them everything that they need. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.